Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We love hearing the, those songs and that, the music and all that kind of stuff, but on Sunday nights what we've been aiming at, and, and we've had a few different groups sing, <coughs> is, is replacing uh, the music on the CDs with, and, and, and honestly, we, we haven't been around, well, we, we've been here five years now, obviously, and we've been doing that on Sunday nights for a while, because we didn't have the people to be able to do different music groups and everything else other than Sunday morning, uh, but we're getting to the point where we do, and so we, we want some more of those, like we had the, we had the boys all sing uh, last Sunday night, it was, it, was, it was nice to have them do that, and, and we're looking for more of those kind of groups that you can put together and sing with somebody, right? Bill, why don't you and Kevin do a duet or something, you know? But uh, if you want to sing, if you want to sing, you want to be a part of that, then uh, just let me know. We'll get you on the schedule for Sunday night, and um, we have a few people that are lined up already, but we want to fill Sunday night up with, with groups of people that, that want to sing too. And uh, right, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't say make a beautiful noise, it says make a joyful noise. So just because you feel like you can't sing doesn't mean that you can't get up here and sing. And we'll only laugh at you for a couple minutes and then it'll be over. But uh, no, I'm kidding. We, but we do. We do enjoy hearing uh, people sing and uh, good Christian godly music. And that's honestly what we're going to talk about tonight. I think this is the 10th message in this series on music, the influence of music. And music is so influential in our lives because we listen to it so much. And music is an emotional language, and we talked very early on how music is there to do so many different things for us. But then that's why it's so important what type of music and what kind of music and the actual music that you listen to. That's why it's so important, because it is such a huge part of our life. And we've talked a lot about the philosophy of music. Why do we choose the songs that we choose? Why do we sing the songs in church that we sing? Why do we have the type of music that we sing in this church versus the type of music that you see in other churches and other places? Why do we sing the hymns versus contemporary Christian music and so on? And so uh, I'm going to actually split this into two weeks. We're going to talk about it tonight and, and next week. Actually, no, not next week. I got um, You remember um, Jonah Knight came and preached for us a few times this summer, right? All right, follow with me here. Jonah's sister married a guy who is a, he's, he's an assistant pastor, was assistant pastor up in Pennsylvania. The church fell apart through no fault of his own. They, 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 they voted the pastor out, and he was convinced that the pastor was right and that the people, and there was a good handful of people that were, that were uh, in line with the pastor and wanted him to stay and everything else, but there was a larger group of people that were saying, no, we want him gone. Well, he stayed with the pastor, and he said, if you can't, if you, if you aren't going to keep him here, then I'm not going to stay either. And so he left. He went back down to North Carolina, which is where he lives and everything else. And they're, they're there working in the church and all of that stuff, thinking about possibly moving back up into this area. Um, and if that's the case, then we'd love to get them involved here. And so they visited, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago. And, uh, but anyway, he, he mentioned that, hey, we're coming back into town to visit, and, and we're planning to come to your church on Sunday night. I said, well, hey, why don't you preach for us? So he is, uh, he's going to preach for us next Sunday night, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, he's, a, he's a young guy, but he's a good preacher, and um, uh, so we're not going to we're not going to finish this up next week. We'll finish it up the week after that. But um, uh, what I want to talk to you tonight about is is kind of the culmination of everything that we've talked about with the music philosophy, and apply that to contemporary Christian music, CCM. Now, in the early 19th century, the invention of the steam engine. Uh, revolutionized the way people got around. And obviously none of us were around then, but it wasn't long before somebody thought of putting one of those steam engines into a vehicle uh, that was 
that would propel it, propel it forward without the aid of horses. And usually, we think when we think of the steam engine, you think of it being related to trains and everything else. But people also tried it with the equivalent of cars back in the day. And so, in 1865, and obviously, you know, cars as we know it, the engine and all that stuff didn't come around until the late 1800s, early 1900s. But they tried to put a steam engine in a car. In 1865, Parliament actually decided, you know what, we need to do something about this because this could be something that's very dangerous. So Parliament in England passed one of a series of locomotive acts, is what they called it. And it was designed to limit the damage that these self-propelled moving vehicles could cause to uh, you know, roads and animals and people. And so get this, it limited cars to a speed limit of four miles an hour in the country and two miles an hour in the city because of how dangerous these things were. It also required that cars being driven into town had to be crewed by three people. One that was the driver, one that was the, the stoker of the engine, and somebody walking 60 yards ahead with a red flag announcing that a vehicle was coming. That was the only way you would be allowed to drive this vehicle at two miles an hour in the city. I mean, you'd think it'd be a whole lot faster to just walk at that point, right? And, and there was one that was walking. He was up there raving, waving red flags saying, hey, a vehicle's coming, you know? At that point, is it even worth it, right? It's, it's less effort to just walk. But since then, that phrase, red flag, has come into popular jargon as an indication of something approaching that's dangerous. And to me, CCM, and when I say CCM, and that's how I'm going to refer to it because it's easier than saying contemporary Christian music, but that's what we're talking about. CCM is, is, is very clean, clearly and plainly one of the most spiritually dangerous things that's active in American Christianity today. And there's a necessity to point out the red flags and warn of the dangers of contemporary Christian music. So I'm going to split this into two where I'm going to give you a few of those red flags tonight. I'm going to give you some other ones uh, next week. But let's get, in, let's, let's get right into this. Why, why, and this is my view. I'm not, this is not, you know, this is, there's no doctrinal list somewhere that says this is why everything's wrong or anything like that. But in my view, this is, this is why I view CCM as spiritually dangerous to the church, why we don't do it in our church, uh, why we'll never do contemporary Christian music in our church. But the first one is this. It blurs the clear distinction that ought to divide the church from the world. It blurs the clear distinction that ought to divide the church from the world. Now, 1 John chapter 2, and this is where I had you turn there, I want to look at verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I don't, I don't have time tonight to lay out for you an entire treatise on everything that the Bible talks about, about worldliness and all of that stuff. But, but for now, suffice it to say that I'm convinced, and, and I know we've talked about this quite a bit, that Scripture is very clear about the fact that Christians should be separate from the world, right? We have to be in the world, but we should not be of the world. We have to live in it. It's not like you can go live in outer space or something like that. You have to live in the world. But we should not be of the world. We should not desire the things of the world. And again, that's not to say that you can't have nice things. I'm not saying that, oh, you have to live in the tiniest little house with holes all in it, and you have to wear clothes that are tattered and ragged because you can't be of the world. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we ought to desire to be different from the world. Christianity ought to be different from the world. If we're not offering something different from the world, then what's the point of Christianity, right? If we're not saying, hey, Come out and come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What would make somebody want to have what we have if we're no different than them, right? So 
obviously the Bible is, is very clear about the fact that we should separate from worldliness, but inherent in contemporary Christian music's roots and institutional makeup is a desire to chase the world and be as close to the world as we possibly can, right? We've talked a lot about rock music and the driving beat behind rock music and, and why rock music was, was founded and, and how it started and, and what the whole point behind rock music is very plainly from the, from the mouths of those who sing it and produce it and everything else. And CCM is exactly that same type of driving beat, that same type of everything else that we find in rock music. Now, listen to a few actual reviews of CCM concerts that were found uh, that I found on websites, magazines, just different places. But listen to these reviews. The pulsating techno music builds to a deafening crescendo as space-age sounding zaps punctuate the heavy bass and drum beat. Red and green laser lights etch twisting torsos against blackened walls as colored glow sticks slice through manufactured fog. 200 teens, ages 14 to 18, have come to dance to cutting-edge house, trance, and jungle music while light patterns of gobos and moonflowers wash the room in a bright array of color. That is describing a CCM concert. Here's another one. The crowd was stoked and ready to rock as the music started to play, and the audience could still only see the silhouettes of the band members behind a pale, illuminated curtain. Stewart worked the fans into a frenzy when he left the stage. Here's another one. At the first chords, the crowd began pogo jumping in unison to the crisp guitar, driving rhythm and sweet harmonies. A funky retro spiral light projector swirled behind the band, accentuating the hipness already fighting the fog machine for control of the room's atmosphere. Owen dedicated the next song to the ladies. The laid-back southern groove brought the crowd back to a head-bobbing frenzy. One more. Offering the best that crunk rock has to offer the five-piece masters of fun moved the crowd with their intriguing show, leaving quite an impression. The lead vocalist encouraged the crowd to make some noise as they performed a personalized cover of Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit. Does that sound like something that ought to take place in a church? Now, I, I understand this, these, these are concerts. They're not they were not necessarily church services. But the fact that, that, that the music like that that is promoted and embraced by these types of churches, even if it's not in an actual church service, is very soon and very quickly going to leak into the church service. And it doesn't take long for you to go watch a service online in most of the contemporary churches today and see that that's exactly how they perform their music on stage and everything else, right? I've mentioned it before. Go look at Hillsong. By the way, things like that, you always wonder, I always wondered how in the world can, can, uh, can a church like that, I mean, is God blessing that? Is that why they're popular? Is that why they're, is that why they're successful? Is that why they're seeing a lot of people come in? Is God blessing that kind of stuff? Well, how are they allowed to last? And I, I mentioned that to my father-in-law one day, and he said, it all comes crashing down at some point. It may look like it's popular. It may look like God's blessing it, but if, if it's not of God, it all comes crashing down. I don't know how, how closely you follow Hillsong. You probably don't follow Hillsong very closely at all. Hopefully you don't. But uh, New York City, Hillsong, New York City, the pastor there got caught with cheating with multiple women. They ended up getting kicked out. They're trying to find somebody to come in and take over now. The, the leader of the global church, which is in Australia, which is where it started, just came out that he was found in a hotel room drunk with some woman. And now they're kicking him out. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. It's all crashing down on top of it all. Why is that? Because it doesn't have anything to do with real Christianity. It has everything to do with, let's just draw in a crowd. Let's just see what we can do to get people here. Right? 
And so the way that we have to do that is we got to be as close to the world as we possibly can. If we're going to win the world, we got we got to act like the world. That principle is not found in the Bible. And it's all going to come crashing down at some point. Now, there's there's so many other examples of things that I can uh, that I can tell you about. In fact, Next time we do this, I, I, I want to play a couple of videos for you, actually, and show you some of these different things that I'm talking about and, and different, different situations and scenarios. But Rick Warren, on the platform of his church, which, you know, very popular, Saddleback Church, you know, purpose-driven life, all that kind of stuff, um, which I don't know why anybody even takes Rick Warren seriously anymore as far as his whole, you know, saying that the, the Hindus and, and the Muslims and all of us, Christianity, we all serve the same God. We just look at it in different ways. And, you know, it, it just, it's not even Christianity. It's not even Christianity. But one day during one of his services, he broke out into a, and I don't even know this song, but it's called, it's called Purple, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. And the band was still up on the stage, and they jumped in behind him and joined him in singing this Jimi Hendrix song in the middle of a church service, right? Uh, I mentioned Hillsong a minute ago. You ever heard of, uh, it's so-called, the naked cowboy down in New York City? They brought him onto the stage to introduce a women's meeting at Hillsong. Obviously, he's not naked, but he's wearing very little clothes out there with cowboy boots and a hat on and playing a guitar. Right down in Times Square, very, very popular attraction downtown uh, New York City. Brought him in to sing on stage at a women's meeting in Hillsong. Tell me that's Christian. Tell me that's honoring to Jesus Christ. Tell me that's separating from the world. Tell me that's not loving the world like the Bible says. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's about as clear as it can be. And when you're trying to use the world to attract the world, you're not going to change anything about the world. Right? And that's why this principle is so important. But there's such a comfort, a union between CCM and the, and the world. It's like a couple old friends. They're very familiar with each other. For most of, of contemporary Christianity is now is, is very little barrier between what's the predominant culture in the world and what the church looks and acts like. And what are we offering if we are looking and acting just like the world? And by the way, looking like the world is one thing. Acting like them is, a, is, a, is another thing altogether. But most contemporary Christian churches not only look like the world, they act like the world. There's, uh, um, you hear, uh, man, what's his name? Stephen Furtick. You heard his name? Very, very popular right now and has been for, for quite a while. Really, really, I mean, his, his, his name is right up there with Joel Osteen and Benny Hinn and some of these guys. Stephen Furtick's 16-year-old son just wrote a rap song that had all kinds of everything in it that you think of would be in a rap song. And Stephen Furtick got up in the service and said how proud he was of his son. And how proud he is that he's making this music and finally realizing his dream and everything else. Uh, I, I won't even recommend you go find the song, but that's, the, I mean, I'm telling you, that's the kind of, how is that separation from the world? How is that leading people toward godliness? How is that leading people toward holiness? And I'm not saying it's only the music that does that, but when you bring contemporary Christian music into a church, everything else in the church, if it's not already, is going to be contemporary very, very soon after. Because you're going to draw in that crowd who wants nothing more than to be like the world. The world's entertainment has become a prime mover in American contemporary churches, and the barrier is just about gone. Mod how, how do you get up and preach against worldliness in a contemporary church if you're being exactly like the world? If you're doing everything like the world does it? 
How do you get up and preach? You ought to be separate from the world. That principle is all throughout the New Testament. It's not like just one verse that mentions it. That, that principle is all the way throughout the New Testament. So how do you get up and preach against that? There's a lot of other things that can't be preached in contemporary churches either because they're doing exactly what the Bible says not to do, which is why they're so shallow. It's why you get up there and they want to talk to you about the love of God and, and kindness. And, and those are good things. Those are principles that we find in the Bible too. But the Bible, the whole counsel of God is a whole lot more than the love of God and kindness and, and generosity and all of these other things, right? How do you preach against those when you're doing it? And it's, that's, that's a problem. It's, it's, it's a problem in, in, in these modern contemporary churches because they're embracing that worldliness and their whole church culture embraces that as well. And what that does is it, it leaves Christians in an awkward situation and, and really a dangerous place and, and a young Christian with a lifelong spiritual disability. Because how do you ever get to the point? Unless you leave that church, how do you ever get to that point where you're able to separate from the, from the world? That embrace of worldliness in, in CCM churches, which is driven by that music and entertainment, shows up in their clothes, their word use, their conversation, just about everywhere else. CCM churches produce Christians who are comfortable with the world. And that, to me, is a very big red flag. The second one is this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. CCM has a tendency to produce stars instead of servants. Oh, you're just jealous because you're not a star. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want, you, you see how much, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm trying to become a star. Obviously, I'm not. But, you know, these people who become famous, and, you know, every time they go anywhere, they can't go anywhere without people, oh, you know, and wanting to, and they say, man, I, it, it's, this, is, this is a very common thing that they say, I wish I never got popular. I wish I was not famous. I can't go to the grocery store without having people, you know, bothering me everywhere I'm at and whatever else. That's just a side note, but CCM has, has really taken the secular music culture and the secular music industry's tendencies for self-promotion and self-glorification. Here's, here's another couple examples. These are, these are uh, reviews, positive reviews of CCM concerts. The thing that the band has going on for them is their fans singing along. Man, were those 13 to 16-year-old girls going nuts over Matt and company. Here's another one. Shrill screams reverberated off the sky-high ceiling. The beginning riff, followed by an overwhelming loud whoa, sent shockwaves through the violently undulating teenage sea. Small groups of girls stood in tight circles, clapping like cheerleaders, practically running in place with mouths agape and screams as if the Beatles had just stepped on American soil. Now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, look what the Apostle Paul wrote in complete contrast to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Does a review like that sound like something the Apostle Paul would have said? Man, that's what I'm going for in my church. Can you imagine? Right? You think that's what, that's what Paul was trying to achieve? Swirls of, of crowds fainting at their feet because, oh, man, look, at what they, look how they're singing and all of that kind of stuff. Now, in, in our church, you know, obviously, we, we, it, I, I do my best to not make this about me, and it's, it's not about me. It's, this, this is our church. This is God's church, right? I happen to be the pastor of this church. It's not about me, but 
Take, for, for example, just, just think for a minute how much harder a temptation would be for somebody in a position where, where they were standing up in front of people or whatever else um, if preaching was structured like CCM is structured. Uh, man, surely I would qualify for the Preacher of the Year Award, right? Or, or maybe, may, you know, maybe not that, but at least a Sermon of the Year, of, oh, sermon of the year Award. Something, Right? Maybe when I was younger and we were just getting started breaking into the ministry, I should have thrown my name in the ring for Breakthrough Preacher of the Year, right? If, if, if preaching was structured the same way that CCM is structured, what's wrong with that, right? For instance, think this, this, actual, this is an actual CCM CD review that the review appeared in Christianity Today, but I took the review and kind of rewrote it to match what it would sound like if we were writing it about preaching and writing it about me. Steve Boots deserves high praise for combining multiple interests into a single cohesive preaching style. His talents are undeniable and promising. Boots is wildly ambitious, intriguingly varied, and remarkably thought-provoking. He's known for his great opening lines, stunning delivery, amazing production, and enthusiastic storytelling. It seems only fitting that we pay tribute to Steve Boots, this pivotal Christian preacher. That doesn't strike the ear very well, does it? Because that's not what preaching is about. Preaching is not about, everybody look at me, look how I'm presenting this message, look how I'm preaching to you, right? It's about preaching Jesus Christ. Preaching is supposed to draw people not closer to the preacher. Preaching is supposed to draw people closer to Christ and closer to holiness, and closer to a relationship with the Word of God, right? And that's clearly not acceptable in reference to a man of God preaching to God's people. So why is it acceptable for a man singing to have that same type of praise heaped on him if he's singing for the Lord's glory, right? Isn't that why we do it? And we, we talk about the fact we don't clap here after somebody sings. Why is that? It's not, it's not that there's something wrong with clapping because, oh, man, they did a great job. It's just that it's not about the singer, we're not doing it for, for, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for, for the glory of God. I'm, and, and we talked about the fact that singing is not there to cause us to worship. Singing is there for edification. Singing is there to help our relationship with God grow closer to, many times, bring conviction through a song to say, man, if I really think about the words of that song, I need to change that in my life. I need to do that differently. I need to whatever, right? And it's not saying, oh, wow, what a beautiful, oh, what a great voice and all this other stuff. It's not about that. It's about drawing people closer to Christ. So the simple truth is that while the world's all wrapped up in this self-glorification, the Christian is supposed to be living a life of self-denial, right? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yeah, not I, but Christ liveth in me, right? I'm alive, but I'm dead to self is what he's saying. Paul's saying, I'm crucified with Christ. I sacrifice my flesh on the altar so that Jesus Christ can be lifted up. The best thing that could, ever be ha that could ever happen is, man, God really spoke to my heart in that service. Man, God really spoke to my heart through that song. I can't for the life of me remember who preached that message, but God used it in my life. <laughs> that would be the best case scenario, right? Because then it wasn't about the person. It was about the message. And that's what it's supposed to be about. There's a song that says, hide me behind the cross. Right? You ever heard that song? What a great message. Hide me behind the cross. If I'm hidden behind the cross, then that's all that everybody can see. 
Now, they hear the message, but they don't see the person. They see the cross that the message is supposed to be pointing toward. On the other hand, you know, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. In fact, turn over there. CCM's atmosphere thrives in complete contradiction to this verse in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, we talked about all the praise that's heaped on these CCM artists and everything else. Now, on the other hand, when you hear a choir sing in a traditional church or you open your songbook for a con congregational song, your attention is drawn first to the words of the song, right? With CCM, your attention is first drawn to the performer himself or whatever's happening on the stage with all the fog machines and lights and all of that other stuff, right? The whole point is to be drawn to the words. There's no star song leaders that I'm aware of, right? I mean, Brian's probably a close second for the star song leader of the year, but there's no star song leaders, right? Why is that? It's because it's not about the song leader. It's not about who's performing. It's about the song. It's about, about listening to the words of the song. You know, there's no star, you know, song leader bands in, uh, in singing hymns, right? You don't see that. You don't see that. And, and don't misunderstand me. I, I don't deny that I've occasionally heard preachers or pastors who, who in, you know, in our kinds of churches whose ministry calls my attention to them first. But they're few and far between, and that's not right either, right? There are people. And, and honestly, for a long time in independent Baptist churches, there, wa there was a kind of a cult following for different pastors and preachers and things like that. And thankfully, I think a lot of that is going away in our churches because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the preacher. It's about the message. It's about the message of the cross, drawing people to the cross. But CCM, by its very nature, inherently and practically demands that following, demands that there be people lifted up as stars within that, within that organization. How about turn to Philippians chapter 2? See, because what CCM doesn't understand, and, and honestly, you could talk about this for the entire music industry as well, but, but contemporary Christian music really falls into this category, is that greatness in the kingdom of God is all wrapped up in being a servant, right? What did Jesus tell his disciples? He that be the greatest among you, let him be a servant, all right? It's the exact opposite of that in most instances. But Philippians chapter 2, talking about Jesus Christ himself in verse number 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Can you see Jesus up on a stage with a guitar slung across his, his, his hips? Because that's where they like to ha hang them while they're playing, right? With a hat turned backwards and long hair down to his shoulders and fog machines and lights and all this stuff. And Jesus is going to get out and rock. It sounds sacrilegious, but it is. What they're doing in these churches is a sacrilegious thing. If Jesus Christ would not do it, then why should we do it? If he said that the greatest thing that you can be is a servant, then why shouldn't that be what we're doing too? In this, in, in so many other areas, in, in so many other things, the growing American Christian music industry is moving in the opposite direction of God's kingdom. And you wonder why we're losing so many of our young people to the world? You're putting the world into them. You're not teaching them to stay away from it. You're driving it into them. 
and telling them this is what they need to be like and calling it Christianity. And it's not. It's not. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. CCM was birthed from and it's still nurtured by the world's concept of the music industry. And that's a problem. Number three, we talked about this uh, last time we talked about music, and so I'm just going to mention the point. But CCM has a tendency to convert the church services into a show, and that's not what it's about. You know, there's a, um, uh, and I mentioned some of these different examples. You can go look at them. It's, it, Christ, church is not meant to be a show. It's meant to be a place where we're edified, where we're built up, where we're uh, convicted. It's not a show. Number four. CCM has a tendency to produce in Christians an, an incorrect understanding of the application of worship. And again, we talked a lot about this as well, so I'm going to cover this, but worship isn't music. But hundreds of thousands of Christians think that. Worship isn't feeling emotionally high, but hundreds of thousands of Christians in America think that. They walk out of church saying, wow, I got lifted up today. And I'm not saying that you can't be encouraged by the, the songs. I'm not saying that you can't be encouraged by a special or the choir or got encouraged by the message today or something like that. But the whole point is not to be high when you leave. Sometimes we get our toes stepped on. Sometimes we feel about this tall when we leave. And that's good for us, right? Worship isn't something you go to church to do, but hundreds of thousands of Christians think that it is. Now, here's the last one, number five. CCM has a tendency to produce user-friendly Christianity. Now, go... Uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. By user-friendly, I mean it redefines God as oriented toward us instead of us being oriented toward God. It drains God of his majestic holiness, and in turn what that does is it, it drains God of an appropriate view of who he really is. I've heard people in the contemporary Christian music setting say, this is what it's going to be like when we're rocking around the throne of God someday, right? If you had an understanding of who God really was, that would never come from your lips. We have such a low view of God. We have such a low view of heaven. We have such a low view of Jesus Christ and who he really is. That if we, if we could really, if we ever got a glimpse of the majesty and the holiness of God, we wouldn't be talking about rocking out around the throne of God. We would be on our faces before him. And that's exactly what we see in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, verse 1, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Philosophically, CCM reduces God. What it tries to do is bring God down to our level. Instead of trying to get us to God's level. And obviously, we're never going to get there. We're never going to have the holiness of God, but we ought to be trying. The Bible tells us to do that. Be ye holy as I am holy, right? So we're not trying to bring God down to us. We're trying to bring us to God. It, 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 and what CCM does is essentially it explains him as existing in order to minister to us. God exists to meet our needs. God exists, you know, uh, to, to be to us what we need him to be when the scriptural fact of the matter is the exact opposite. Somebody, you know, some people might say, hold on a second, you know, CCM sings more praise to God in a week than you old-fashioned fundamental Baptists do in a month with your hymns and everything else. And if there's anything that could be said about, in, in a positive way about uh, CCM, is that if they had any strength, it's that. It, it's wonderful uh, about 
teaching people the importance of telling God that he is amazing. And I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. If they're doing anything right, that's one thing that they do. Singing praise to God and everything else, right? But having said that, I want you to back up and notice a word that I used a minute ago, and that's the word philosophically. The philosophical foundation that CCM is built upon and built for, which the average church, the, the average church member in these contemporary churches embrace, lowers God. That's their philosophical. God is coming down to us, right? Which doesn't mean that God can't. I mean, obviously, we ask for, for God's power in the service. We want God to meet with us. And I'm not saying it in that way. But what they're saying is God's just another bro like me, right? And that's, and that's what I'm saying, how, how irreverent and how disrespectful that is. But that's what that CCM music, that's what that CCM attitude, the philosophy does God just wants to hang out with us for a day in church. Won't you come hang out with God, right? That's exactly what it is, and it lowers a view of God. It lowers who God really is. It lowers his holiness. It lowers his, his majesty because God just wants to hang out with us. No, God's not just hanging out with us. He's here. He's on a higher very much higher level when it comes to holiness, very much higher level when it comes to majesty. We're never going to achieve that level. God's not just coming down to hang out with us, but that's what that CCM does is it lowers him, it changes him, it orients him to us rather than us to him. Now, just, just take an example here and contrast the approach that CCM has in reaching people with the approach uh, a, a traditional preaching-heavy church takes. Preaching is specifically designed to directly confront a person, an individual, with their hopeless sinfulness in the eyes of a holy God, right? That's why you come to church, I hope. Uh, I hope hopefully you don't get beat over the head every time you come. Hopefully there's a few things that you're doing right that you can say, yeah, at least I got that one taken care of, right? But that's, that's, what, that's the point of preaching. Preaching should be direct, right? If all I'm doing is beating around the bush and say, you should never sin, then that's not, it's not direct preaching. You say, well, I don't sin. I'm not a sinner. I don't do all that much, right? But if I start hitting pointed things and you say, wow, maybe I do do that, that is something that I need to change, right? Preaching is designed to be pointed. It's designed to, to, uh, to tear an arrogant man down brick by brick. And when you stack it up against the word of God, our, our lives, our rotten lives or our filthy rags, as the Bible says, that even our righteousnesses are, just don't stack up against the word of God, right? To say the least, CCM is not preaching in this sense. It's art. And art was never made for preaching, right? Art was never made to be uh, uh, something that directly confronts. Art's made for self-expression, right? That's what, that's what artists talk about, they're doing. Art was made for beauty. It was made to produce an inner emotional response to that beauty. And when CCM is producing this kind of music, that's what they're doing. They're producing art. It's not confrontational. It's not changing us. So in that context, CCM is trying to produce in an audience a good feeling, right? Because if you feel good, then you associate that good feeling with that service, and you'll want to come back, and you want to keep coming back. And if they can make you feel good every time you come back, then that's something that's going to keep drawing you in. And it's specifically designed to make people feel relaxed, to make them feel comfortable at church. And in order to accomplish that, it has to go easy on scriptural concepts like sin and judgment, and holiness, and hell, and condemnation. Contemporary music was not made to confront. It was not designed. It was never designed to confront. 
It was made to, to, to mesh the unchurched with church. What can we do to get them in? We'll lower all the standards. We'll lower everything, and we'll make church like the world so that everybody feels comfortable here. And as it does that, it presents God as being this conveniently approachable person who we can come to anytime we want to. And we can, we can, but not in the way that they, that they portray him. And so the philosophy of contemporary music is this philosophy of a 24-7 you know, warm welcome, the Motel 6, we'll leave the light on for you type thing, right? And that's not what church was designed to do. That's not what preaching was designed to do. Preaching is designed to be pointed. It's designed to make us want to change. It's designed to make us realize, wow, his holiness is here. Mine is here. I need to bring that level up because I'm nowhere close to where I need to be, right? That's what it's designed to do. Now, here's a, here's a quote from a guy by the name of John Frame. He's one of only very few who have written a book in defense of CCM. He wrote this, and we're almost done, but let me read this to you. These non-traditional forms of worship have displayed some fairly common patterns. More contemporary language and music, informal atmosphere, greater emphasis on joyful celebration, less on mourning over sin. Now remember, this is somebody who is writing in favor of contemporary Christian music, in defense of it, not somebody who is saying bad things about it. The church seeks to encourage an atmosphere of welcome and friendliness. CW, which is what he, it's his, it's his preferred term for contemporary worship. C, CWM, contemporary worship music. Avoids turnoffs like ancient liturgy. Emphasis on denominational history and theological distinctives. 10-minute prayers, 40-minute sermons, uncomfortable seats, ministers begging for money in crowded parking lots and restrooms. The preaching assumes little congregational knowledge of scripture and doctrine and avoids technical theological language. It begins by addressing felt needs. Sometimes the church uses drama, films, and multimedia, usually to pose questions the sermon seeks to answer. CW is often called seeker-sensitive or user-friendly. That's not the point of church. That's not why we go to church. Talking about all these different things about, you know, we don't put an emphasis on theological distinctive. Why do you think nobody knows what they believe anymore? Because you're not putting an emphasis on theological distinctives. What is a theological distinctive? It's what the Bible says. We don't put an emphasis on what the Bible says. We put an emphasis on seeker-friendly things. We talk about the things that people want to hear about. So we talk about loving their neighbor. And love means love. And all this let's just get along with everybody else type thing. Right? You put an emphasis on that, it takes complete emphasis away from the scripture. And now everybody just keeps coming because they feel good every time they come to church. And I'm not saying that, you know, don't misunderstand me. I don't think we ought to be unfriendly or unwelcoming. I think we have a very friendly and a very welcoming church. But if the unsaved sinner doesn't feel comfortable in our church at some point, then what is the point? If a sinner comes in and does not realize that he needs a savior, then what's the point of why we're doing what we do? A sinner ought to feel uncomfortable. Not that we're trying to make him feel that way. It's the word of God that's doing that. But if we're not preaching the word of God, then he's never going to realize, man, I am a sinner and I need something that's going to change that. And they're never going to get saved. Then they die and they go to hell and they're the ones that stand before God and said, we've prophesied in your name. We've done many wonderful works. And what's God going to say? Depart from me, I never knew you, you that work iniquity. Why? Well, I felt good in church. I went to church every week. It doesn't have anything to do with that. We go to church so we can say, wow, I needed that. I would need to be here. I'm here. I need to make these changes 
so I can get here. That's the point of preaching. That's the point of why we do what we do. Contemporary music, the underlying philosophy, hates that approach. Because if our church is not confronting the sinner with his sin, then what are we converting them from? And then after you're saved, if you're not ever made to feel uncomfortable about the way that you're living your life, if it does not line up with the word of God, then what's the point of even coming? You can go to a country club and do that. You probably have more fun and eat better food, right? And play golf while you're doing it. There's, there's a whole lot of other places that you can gather and get together and have fun if that's all we're doing, right? We're not here just for entertainment. We're here so that we can see where we need the change to line up with the majesty and the holiness of God. We're not here for a user-friendly experience. We're here because we need to see what we need to change. God does not want you to come as you are. He wants you to come despising what you are and desperate for what I need to do to change it so that I can be like him. A switch to, to CCM in a church is much more than a change in musical style. And that's, you know, th those who switch to this contemporary music and those who start doing it in their church, they say, ah, oh, it's no different. It's just a, just a difference in music style, right? And a lot of these churches who are trying to be everything to everybody have a traditional service and a contemporary service and are trying to, trying to accommodate everybody, right? And, and what they end up doing is accommodating nobody, not standing for anything, not preaching the truth, because if you preach the truth, they won't come back. But it's, it's an embrace of a philosophy that lowers God and excuses man. And that outgrowth of that acceptance philosophy and user-friendly approach to Christianity is anything goes. Anything goes. I don't know what they preach in those churches. Because how do you preach against anything? You're going to offend somebody if you preach against anything, right? Which is why you get these guys that are Hillsong pastors where he gets up on the view and they said, is abortion wrong? And he couldn't even give them a straight answer. He's afraid to answer them. You know, Joel Osteen, is homosexuality wrong? Well, it kind of depends on the situation. And no, the Bible is very clear. But when you start down that path, you have to keep walking down that path because you're going to offend somebody and then people are going to stop coming. And, and then you're not user-friendly anymore. Then you're not welcoming anymore. Then you're not kind anymore. Then you're not drawing a crowd anymore. If you lovingly confront a Christian that's of that persuasion, you're going to be called a legalist. You're going to be called a Pharisee. You're going to be you know, accused of being judgmental and non-loving and all of those other things. But the end result of that is, is a mess of a church that doesn't confront people with the truth. And, and it doesn't demand change. And it looks and sounds just like the world. And it puts on a weekly show. And it sends people home feeling good with the impression that they're close to God because they experience an emotional high during the worship service. And all of that springs from their music. And we're going to continue with some more of these red flags flying ahead of the CCM movement and most of the rest of American Christianity when we get back together next week. But so, so important that we take a stand on something. Take a stand on the word of God. Take a stand for truth. And we keep preaching the truth. And I know sometimes your feelings probably get hurt. And I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm not, I don't, the, the last thing I want is for people to leave, Right? Oh, I can't wait to get up and preach everybody out of the church on Sunday. Wait till they hear this message, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, man, I hope they take this the right way. I hope they don't get mad. I hope they don't leave. But they need to hear it. It's from the word of God, right? And if I'm afraid of you and what you think and what you're going to say and whether you're going to stay or not, then we're never going to have a church that stands on the truth of the word of God. And what's happened is contemporary Christian churches led by contemporary Christian music has done exactly that. I can't say that. People are going to leave. And I, oh, man, then, then what are we going to do with this giant facility we just built? 
this beautiful building is just going to be a shell and nobody's going to come. I, I can't preach that. And then the less you preach, the less you get to preach, and the less you preach, the less you get to preach till all you're talking about is the love of God and how much he loves you and your condition and how beautiful you are as a person and, and how, you know, all this other stuff that just is fluff and is not preaching anything. So it's important. It's important. And it starts when you switch over from good godly music to this contemporary Christian music style. That's where it starts. That's where the slope starts to turn down. And, 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 the, and, the, and the biggest indication that a church is heading downhill fast is when they change their music. You, they might be a church that's still preaching the truth at the time. But when they change the music, and it goes from good, godly, hymn-style music. I'm not saying that every song you sing has to be a hymn, but hymn-style music to contemporary Christian music. It's not going to be long before that whole church is in that same exact boat as the rest of Christianity is now. Because the music has everything to do with the direction that the church goes in. We'll give you some more red flags next week. Let's pray. We'll sing our song. We'll be done. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the truths that we find in the word of God. I pray that you'd help us to be separated from the world, not for the sake of being boastful about it or saying that we're separated from the world just for the sake of being able to say it, but because we are truly desiring to be what you want us to be and truly desiring to be Christians that are set apart from the world so the world can see something different about us and it would make them want what we have. It would make them want the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that that would be our motive. I pray that that would be our, 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 our life. And God, I pray that people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because of it. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.